Um, my name is Kat Anderson. I am the Urban Design Director of the London office of Barton Wilmore. Um, I'm an urban designer. I've been working for around 20 years as an urban designer. Um, I'm here with my colleague Emily Pignon, who's an associate in my team, and we have both been working on um, the Grand Paris Express project. Um, Jeremy asked us to talk to you about it as a case study, so I'm going to explain sort of what we've been doing and, and how it's, it's worked to date. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Grand Paris Express is uh, the new Paris Orbital Railway. Um, it's being put in place by the Société de Grand Paris, and I will try to avoid speaking French. My French is appalling. Um, I'm going to call them the SGP from now on. Um, the SGP was created in around 2010, um, specifically to deliver the Grand Paris Express. Um, they, the, the, the network will have more than 200 automatic trains. They're going to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on about 200 um, kilometres of underground track. Uh, we are involved in particular with the, the large-scale maintenance sites. There are five of those, and they're going to be delivered um, in advance of the rest of the network, which is why we're looking at them before anything else. And the Société de Grand Paris, sorry, the SGP, um, may actually disappear once the network is delivered. So whilst they do have a brand and they do have a logo, we're not allowed to use it because it may, it may no longer be in existence by the time the, uh, the network comes into force. So to give you an idea of the scale, um, <clears throat> the, the new Paris Orbital is on three lines. The red line um, is the first one that will be delivered. Um, I believe the southern section of the red line will be um, working around 2020. The last section of the line to be delivered, if it's ever delivered at all, is the green section. Um, and the blue section, which connects the Orly and Charles de Gaulle airports, will come somewhere in between 2020 and 2030. So you can see the scale of the proposition. Central Paris is the darker blob in the middle, and the suburbs are the, the paler blobs all the way around the outside. Uh, the industrial sites themselves are enormous. Each site is bigger than eight hectares. It's, um, it's where all of the rolling stock will be looked after. So they will be marshaled there, they will be cleaned, they will be um, essentially loved. Um, and they are the things that are going to ensure that the whole network works properly. Um, they're also the things that are going to appear out of the ground first. So they're the first things that people are going to see about the SGP and about the network. And because of that, they're incredibly important to get right. So whilst you might think, well, you know, it's just a big shed, um, it's a really important big shed. It needs to do its job in terms of communicating the brand and the quality that the SGP want to deliver. We're really lucky with our clients. The SGP really understands social responsibility and part of the reason they have employed us is to ensure that the buildings they bring forward um, are of exceptional quality. So they understand their responsibility. These, these sites are going to have at least 1,000 jobs per site. So that's 5,000 jobs around Paris. Um, they are also going to have um, other employment that is offshoot from that, so administration, catering, logistics, all, all of those sorts of things. Um, and they're big, so they're going to have a massive impact on the communities that they're slotting into. And they need to work and they need to look good. 
So design quality. The SGP want nothing less than a new generation of industrial architecture. So they're, they're thinking big. Um, they need the buildings or they want the buildings to exemplify their, their ambitions in terms of innovation. So they need to look not only contemporary, but they need to perform very well to very high environmental standards. Um, they need to be sustainable. Um, we've actually been asked to ensure that all the materials that we specify can be recycled and reused in, in many different ways. And they also need to be cost effective. So they're not just going to throw money at these things, but they do want to make sure that they are exceptional. These buildings, as I said, they're large and they're going to fit into lots of different sorts of sites around Paris. We've been to see about six of them. Some of them have, have fallen away since then. But we're looking at anything from agricultural plain, or you can see Paris in the distance, um, sort of um, almost agricultural fringe area, so very low density sort of boxes in, in green space. Um, Orly Airport um, they're looking at, so again, uh, industrial fringe, but very concrete and grey and built. And then Vitry-sur-Seine, which is uh, a very dense cityscape. So again, it's industrial, it's fringe, but it's more like I said, about 100 years old, and it, it's very packed, um, full of lots of different sorts of buildings. So we, we have the job of finding uh, a code for architecture that will manage to slot into all these different sorts of sites and somehow manage to retain a family feel so that when you look at them you understand that these buildings are part of the SGP but without a brand and without colours that we can look to and without any kind of signage, we don't know what font, all of those things are still to be decided. So the code had to be both prescriptive and loose at the same time. The first thing we did when we, when we got this job was to start to do some benchmark studies. So, as I said, these are big buildings. They're covering quite a lot of the eight-hectare site. And you might imagine that these essentially are going to be boxes with, with signs on the front, much, much like this. I like this cartoon. Um, but that's not at all what the SGP are looking for. So we had a look at, at what you might achieve. And at, the, at one end of the scale, there's this branded box. Um, although there are ways of branding a box, and TNT have managed to do it, it quite well. I think you could argue on the right there, and less well perhaps on the left. Um, but the colour shines through, and you can tell that it's TNT just from that very vibrant orange. Um, the ultimate branded box, IKEA, you can see in the bottom right there, you don't even need to have the name. You can just tell it's IKEA. There's no signage. Um, I particularly like the Croydon chimney. And then at the other end of the scale, Louis Vuitton, we weren't just restricting ourselves to boxes. How, how, do, the, how do the guys, the luxury brands, do it? And you can see from this, you can take something that's a very small detail and translate it into something that's much broader. So the, the checkerboard of Louis Vuitton translated onto a building, you can tell that's Louis Vuitton without even having to have signage. Um, ultimate Apple, uh, the brand as the building, um, I don't think we're going there, but you can see what can be done with very similar a grid. I mean, Apple used the same grid over and over again. They use, obviously, their logo. Um, but even when you try to slot an Apple into a, a Regent Street building that's over 100 years old, you can still tell it's Apple and it manages to convey its brand and its quality. 
Um, again, this is Vitra. This is um, a company that make furniture. I'm sure you know that. And this is this is the ultimate um, building, the form of the building expressing what they do inside. They make furniture for houses, and their offices are intended to look like a house. Um, it's quite fun, perhaps. So we didn't just look at the luxury stuff. We also looked at um, various other technolo technological um, places. This is Volkswagen, and um, the fact that technology is so much cleaner now means that you can do so much more with your buildings. You can actually let people in because they're not going to be killed by grime and dust. Um, they, can, they can watch the process. They can, the building itself conveys that it's modern, it's cutting-edge technology. Everything about that building says Volkswagen is quality. Um, we also looked at similar sorts of depots. This is Stratford by Wilkinson Air. Um, we had a great day walking around there. And it was interesting to see how you can have fantastic architecture, but the safety and security that's related to these sites is um, ever-present. And so SGP trying to bring people from the outside into their buildings is going to be a challenge, one that we had to look at as part of our coding. This is uh, a tram station in Angers. Uh, you can see the sort of money that they're happy to spend in France on their infrastructure. Um, I, this is a partic I particularly like this building. Um, I look at that and I, I can't imagine us building that in the UK, but perhaps, perhaps I'm wrong. Um, and this is, uh, in Nice, this is a transport interchange, which is by Mark Barani Architects, who have actually been um, chosen now to do the first site for the SGP. Um, we like this site very much because it's, it's been shoehorned into um, a slip road between the motorway and the city, and it's managed to produce a new public space and a transport interchange and offices, and I think perhaps even housing as well. Uh, into a very, very tight site with, with very high qualities. That's the sort of thing that the SGP are looking at. So the code that we were producing um, needed to take all the lessons learnt from the benchmarking. That's just a, a selection. We looked at hundreds of sites, all sorts of different things. Um, and we took the lessons learned and we took them to the, to the key stakeholders and we held a series of... Um, Workshops, and my colleague Emily is going to talk to you about how we ran the workshops and what came out of those. 